Hi friends, welcome to the Let's Celebrate Learning, the podcast, where we discuss brain tips for your classroom. Today's episode is all about the power of using storytelling in the classroom with the author of the book, The Epic Classroom, Trevor Muir. This episode is really good. So without any further ado, let's dive in. Trevor, thank you so much for coming to this podcast. Why don't you tell us about you? Yeah, well, so my career has been all over the place. I started in business development for a liquidation company and was bored out of my mind. And so naturally, I became a teacher. And so I was a, a high school teacher, and now I'm working in higher ed with future teachers. But I also love to spend my time going around the country and even the world lately working with teachers, trying to find new ways to engage their students and help them remember more and really just love the learning process. So I get to do a lot of that as well and write books about it and all that. I love that you said I help students remember better. That's, that's my field. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why I'm so we excited to talk that. to you. We want that because we are in charge of teaching, but what if we are not really successful in sticking that information for the longest time? So that is our job too. So well, I that's got- exactly right. Yeah, I get to know you through your book, The Epic Classroom, and that is all about storytelling. So how did your passion for storytelling begin? It's funny. I I just came from this whole line of storytellers in my family, all the way up to my great grandpa, who used to just sit us down on his laps. And I mean, this was before, I mean, around his home, it was like they still lived back in the 30s. There was no television, no air conditioning, no no technology. And so it was just sit around and tell stories all day long. And, and so we just sit on his lap and he would make up stories or tell us old stories from when he was a kid. And we would just sit there and absorb them all. And then, you know, now I'm a dad. and I just love nothing more than sitting with my kids and just telling them stories. No books necessarily. Um, no iPads. No, we just sit and we just tell stories and, and they love it. And, and it's just their greatest thing. And so I love stories. I love that the way that they engage you. I love the way that they make you want to do something and become something more. And, and so that's really at the heart of it is I just love stories myself. We share the same thing because I used to see it by my grandfather. And that was the thing back there, just stories. And we were fascinated. And interestingly, we asked my grandfather to repeat those stories over and over and over people don't get tired of stories and especially we say now especially the little ones but all of us are fascinated by stories when we see something on tv or social media these things that we are attracted the most are stories not disconnected things yes well and that's and that's why we can sit in a movie theater for two hours and not look at our phones that story it did something deep and you know it's so interesting i was reading uh and there's this cave in france it's called lascaux and it's, the, it's got the ancient cave drawings all over it. And archaeologists were analyzing these pictures on the cave, and they realized that they were actually telling the story of their hunts, that these early people, stories are a part of what it means to be human, right? Like yes. it's how we pass down technology and yeah. knowledge and faith traditions and, and recipes and culture. Like stories are so deeply ingrained in us, and, and there's a reason why they engage us so much. and so. You know, and my work as a teacher is like, well, how do I take advantage of this, right? Like, if I want my students to learn at a deep and meaningful level, how do I take advantage of this, this very human, uniquely human trait that we all have and possess? In all ancient civilizations, you see this storytelling. 
yeah. uh, by symbols or whatever, or these people who just see it and tell stories like in the African civilizations, uh, the mm -hmm. tradition is passed by stories. And all the greatest speakers of all time and the people we follow for centuries were storytellers. No one. That's wonder. right. <laughs> Yeah, well, and then you think about like the school experience that a lot of us have had, myself included, where there was very little story involved in it. Like I don't have a whole lot of stories from the classroom from when I was growing up. No. It was usually you sit down, you get a bunch of information, you, you process it as best as possible, you regurgitate what you can, and then if you did good enough, you move on to the next level and you do it again and again and again. And so if you said, oh, tell me a story from high school, I'm going to tell you a story of getting in trouble. I'm, I, might tell you a, I might tell you a story that happened on the weekend between class, but I'm telling you, and this is kind of crazy, like, you know, in the, how long has it been? 15, 16 years since I was in high school? I don't have very many stories from being in the classroom. I don't remember it. Well, how do we create an experience in the classroom so that students remember it as a story that occurred? So if the best way to learn and engage and, and remember information is to experience it as a story, you know, like, so when I tell you about a time when I was in sixth grade and this teacher came down and he invested in me when my parents got divorced and, and it was this whole thing. If I can tell you that whole story, obviously it was memorable, right? Like when we have stories, we remember it. And so what if we were intentional in the classroom about structuring our students' time as a story? So that when they think back to their time in history class or math class or English class or science or whatever, they're remembering it as a story. They're remembering learning units as a story with conflicts that they had to solve. And they were characters that were developing and changing as they were engaged in a story. Well, in reality, is that that is what it is. They were real stories. Now mm -hmm. we learn it like history, like math, like inventions. But in reality, there were real stories that happened right. to real people. Mm -hmm. that, that's it, an interesting it's point. It's made up stories. Our whole history is made up of real stories. But mm -hmm. we just look at that by facts and the cause and effects of things that happened. But we forgot that everything was made of our human hearts and emotions. And yeah. war started by uh, emotions and feelings. started all in a story. So that is yep. so interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if the most memorable things that we talk about were at one time stories, shouldn't the school experience be a story as well? Yes. Like, shouldn't we view it that way so that when students are engaging in it, it's a story that's unfolding, you know? And, and because they're engaged in story, all of the content that they're learning at that time is going to be remembered as well. Yes. There's this interesting um, phenomenon that these researchers at Princeton University found. It's called neural coupling. So essentially, when you hear a well-told story, so your, your brain, you are listening to a story that has conflict and a plot and there's a theme and there's suspense. When that's happening, your brain is mirroring the storyteller's brain from when that story actually occurred. Yes. You know, the, the same parts of your brain that, that are releasing the stress endorphins and, and the hormones like cortisol, those that happen when you're actually under duress and you're stressed, those are also released in a listener's brain when they're hearing an actual story. Yes. At a subconscious level, your brain doesn't know that you weren't actually in that story that was unfolding. Exactly. Empathy too. You love with them, you mm -hmm. cry with them, or... I, I feel it when 
for example, you see a paper that it is asking for money, right? I mm -hmm. pass by and not pay attention to that. But when someone takes the time to list, to tell me the story of why that person needs me, you, you can bet that I will be there helping you because I get to know your story. And, and do you know that there's, an, there's a science behind that? So they had, this is so fascinating to me. It's exactly what you were just talking about. They, a group of researchers took two sets of people and one set of people, they said, hey, can you give money to this foundation for cancer research for children? And some money was given, not much. And then another set of people, they had a dad come in and he told about the last week he spent with his son before he passed away. And then they asked that group of people for money. And of course, just like you said, they gave way more. And then they took the blood of those people who gave and they analyzed it and they found that it was loaded up with cortisol, the hormone that's released during stress. And it was loaded up, loaded up with oxytocin, which oh. is the hormone that creates these deep connections. And so they found the chemical makeup of, of, um, is this is the chemical makeup of empathy. When somebody's empathetic and wants to care about something beyond themselves, that is cortisol and oxytocin and what hormones are released most when you hear a well-told story is cortisol and oxytocin it, it creates that deep deep engagement and so as a teacher we got to figure out how do we get the cortisol oxytocin <laughs> and dopamine released in our students yes. right that at, at, at the physiological level that's what that should be our goal how do we get those hormones to release so that they care deeply about the subject matter and care deeply about each other and 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 bigger issues beyond themselves that that's what we should be figuring out how to do which stories are a great tool to do that yes wow i isn't wow. that it makes sense it makes sense but we really knowing all this we really have to be intentional and mindful mm. about using stories we have to, we just can't wait for that to happen we have to plan how can yes. we tell everything in a story because it will not come naturally we are on a rush all day long so we have to plan to tell stories yeah i, th I think that's exactly right it's it's intentionality and, and i think the good thing is that we can do that you know, I think when we're looking when we're looking at a unit of instruction, whether we are crazy about the content or not, yes, I think, I think we can look at it and we have to figure out, okay, what's the big theme that can be pulled from this? What's the big why are we doing this um, question here? You know, in story world, that's the theme of a story. That's the universal yes. lesson. So we we can look at content and look at it like, okay, what do I want my students to take away from this that actually matters to them? And that's the start of it. Now we're already crafting a story. Now what's the conflict? You know, what's the authenticity to it so that when students are learning this, it actually matters to them at a deep and, and gratifying level, that it actually matters to them as any good story should have a conflict. And stories also uh, drive you to take action. That's right. So mm -hmm. in your book, you talked about projects that were driven from stories, for stories, by stories, and then mm -hmm. you help the community. But yep. of course, you, you inserted a story there. So not only we can have our students be in love with history and all the subjects, but we want them to take action now in their community. So how, that, how does story take place into that? You know, so one time I had uh, a guest speaker come to talk to my students, and her name was Denisa, and she was a refugee. And she just spent uh, the last 15 years at a refugee camp in Kenya that she lived on nothing more than rice and corn for 15 years in this refugee camp. And before that, she lived in Rwanda 
as a little girl and her entire family was killed with machetes and she went to the Hotel Rwanda and eventually escaped. And then one day she got on an airplane and she told the story to my students. She ended up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I live. And, and it was in January. It was the first time that Denisa had ever heard of snow before. She'd never heard of snow. She thought, she thought when it was snowing on her that there was a volcano nearby and this was just like a cold ash falling on her. And, and she didn't know how to use the toilet, didn't know how to use the light switches, didn't know how to get on a city bus. She told all these stories of how she struggled coming to our country because she just wasn't taught how to use all this. And she struggled greatly. And we learned that this was the struggle of many refugees when they come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so my students, they, they all of a sudden are introduced to this conflict, right? Like their, their worlds were disrupted. They didn't know that this was a problem. And so naturally, they wanted to do something about it. And so when Denise left that morning, I said, all right, guys, what do we do to solve this problem? And we did this whole brainstorming process that we always use in projects. And then for the next month, while they were learning the history of refugees, but also the history of the industrial, industrial revolution, which is all about learning new technologies <laughs> and developing culture, while they were learning that school content that they were going to learn anyway in history class, they were also developing tools to help refugees better assimilate into our culture. And, you know, like they were creating how-to cookbooks and they were making videos on how to use the public bus system and they were making flashcards for how to use modern household appliances. And then at the end of the month, um, our guest speaker, but also a social work agency came back to our class. Our students presented their tools that they made throughout this project and the ones that the social workers thought that they could actually use in their program they took back to the program and they are now being used in Grand Rapids to help wow. refugees better assimilate into our culture. So our students weren't just learning about this. They were doing something about it. They were solving a problem. They were actually characters within a story helping solve a real conflict. And so now when my students look back on that project, they're not just talking about what they learned. They're talking about a story that they were a part of. They tell it as a story. They remember it at a deep, deep level they will never so, forget that never. yeah yeah how could they how could you ever forget something like that you're so invested in the whole story that's right yes and i think we can do this in any subject area in any grade level yes. right and it doesn't always have to be big and extravagant like working with a, a group of refugees i think it can be as something as you know how do we get our students to actually see the value of reading this book how do we give real purpose to it how do we how do we get students, uh, you know, how do we take math problems and give, um, you know, tie a story into it instead of yes, just solving for the sake math. of solving it. That's right. I think, you know, problem-based learning is what it's called, but like how do we give real problems that they have to solve using the this math, giving the application thing. to it? Yes, this is the thing, Trevor. We do not relate math with stories anymore mm -hmm. because we need math to solve stories. Mm -hmm. It is math. There is math in stories. There, were, there was math in story. So now we have this disconnection because we are running out of time. That if we plan ahead, we can connect them again. But every single subject is connected to story. That's, That's right. why math is a struggle. Uh, war problems are a struggle now because mm -hmm. we don't connect them anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't think that a story may need math. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, I, I think the secret sauce to the student engagement is giving purpose to the work that they're doing. You yes. know, if they know, you know, I just built a tree house for my, my kids. Yes. Um, and it's like a big, serious, ridiculous tree house. I don't even know what I was thinking. But I built this huge tree house and I had to figure out what angles 
the roof trusses need to be. So I had to figure out, okay, what angles? And I, and I was like, oh man, how do I get to figure this out? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I need to know the Pythagorean theorem here. I need yes. to know what this angle is. So A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I used, at 32 years old, I used the Pythagorean theorem in real life. Yes. And I loved it. It was so interesting to me. And I had to go online on Google and brush up on my math to be able to complete this project. But I was happy to learn math because I was actually going to use it. I knew yes. why it had purpose. And so I, I think that's got to be what all teachers do. And I bet students, why are we learning this? Yes, and I bet if you tell that to your students, they will be shocked that you absolutely to construct a, a treehouse. Yes, mm -hmm. and also we always always relate picture books with kindergarten. But like me, I can listen to podcasts and audiobooks and TED talks like the whole day. I don't have time yep. for that, but I can actually do that. And I think that is a natural thirst that every human being mm. has. Stories, because yes. stories drive me. Stories inspire me to do better, take me to action to help the world. So we need to be aware that stories can be told in kindergarten and in high school and in the university. Yeah, absolutely. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, but all we levels. We have to bring it back. We have to bring it back. Yep, absolutely. And, and, that, and that's what I really like to spend my time doing is trying to remind people like how powerful stories are. And, 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 but they're not even just how powerful they are, but how do we actually do it? I mean, for one, I, I think we have to tell good stories. And I think to do that, we just have to be bold enough to try. You know, I don't think... And, and you, you say I'm an expert. I don't think I'm an expert. I think I'm just brave enough to just try things over and over and over until I get it right. Yes. And so I think telling stories with students, I think we have to get into it. And, and if we really believe in what we're teaching, if we really care about that subject matter, which I think all teachers do, otherwise we wouldn't have gone through all the work to learn all this stuff. If we really believe in what we teach, then we should be able to get enthusiastic about it. And that enthusiasm spreads. So I think we have to have the courage to tell good stories. Um, and, and I think you can do that any day of the week, whether it's telling the story of getting ready for work or, or something that happened, um, but also just finding ways to tie it into content. Um, but then also I think we have to challenge ourselves to figure out how can we connect what my students are learning to something that's bigger than yes. just our class. How do we contact community members and invite them in? How do we find real problems for our students to solve? Whether it's, you know, instead of just learning about invasive species in biology class, what if our students organized an event where they go out into the park and pick invasive species. Yes. Or instead of, just, instead of just learning about World War II, what if our students went and talked to World War II soldiers at a retirement home and recorded their stories? You know, how do we actually do something with what they're learning? So that they're not just learning about the Industrial Revolution because I said so, or because the, the state says you have to. You're learning about the Industrial Revolution so that we can serve refugees. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. I mean, I, I think that's what, those are the big questions we have to ask ourselves. How do we make learning authentic and come alive for students? And the best part of this, in, of this element that is so powerful in the classroom is that it's free. That's right. It's free. It's free. It's free. We, we don't need fancy technology. No. 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 Wow. We have a lot to think about. <laughs> Good. It's, it's what I'm always thinking about. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you so much. And where can we find you? You can find me all over the place. So my website's trevormuir.com. Um, and my, if, if you find me on Facebook, that's where I post a lot of my stuff. 
it's called the Epic Classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I put up videos all the time and writing and all that good stuff. So, and on Instagram. You put a lot of stories on. Oh, I tell a lot of stories. Oh, yes. I love that. When you defend teachers. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and when you students, oh yes, I love that. And you do it in a story way. That's why yes. you, you have everyone captivated because it is real stuff, real yes. stuff. We That's connect with about. that. So we should do the same with our students. Trevor, thank you so much. Yes, it, it was such a thank pleasure. You for coming. Thank you. Yep, have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, what a wonderful episode. I am sure you loved it as much as I did. So share with your friends, please. And before I go, I wanted to tell you that I am releasing a course on July 9 called Brain Tips for Teachers. The registration is already open now in June. You will find the link in this episode. And this course has many lessons. One of them is how to use Brain Tips easy free but highly effective in your classroom for your classroom setting from walls to lights decor setting how to have a brain friendly classroom also how to incorporate all these strategies that are free and highly effective too in your instruction assessment in your relationship with your students and in your self-care so you don't have just a self-care day but daily habits that will help your teacher brain and your students perform better. So I hope to see you there. We will also have a Facebook group where all the participants will get to hang out, help each other, collaborate, ask questions. So let's be BFFs and see you there. In the meantime, let's celebrate learning.